0: Well, look in your Bibles to John chapter 6. We're still in chapter 6. We're in this great sermon of Jesus today. It's the Bread of Life sermon. And it has tremendous uh, insight. One scholar said he thought it was the most profound sermon that Jesus preached. I don't know about that. I think every sermon he preached was profound. Everything he said was profound. I think of all of his sermons that were recorded, uh, the uh, Upper Room Discourse is the one most meaningful to me. Uh, that's in chapters 14, 15, and 16 of the book of John, the, uh, the evening before the cross. But this is a tremendous message. Uh, we're so thankful that John recorded some of Jesus' long sermons Of course, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he pinned them down. Uh, They're not recorded anywhere else. And so we're glad we have uh, this passage today. You remember the setting. Jesus fed the 5,000 on the the east side of the Sea of Galilee. Then the disciples sailed over towards Capernaum on the west side of the Sea of Galilee... And during the night, they were in the middle, and the storm came. Jesus comes walking to them on the water. Now they're on the Capernaum side, the west side of the Sea of Galilee in Capernaum. And uh, the other boats come along up in the morning. And uh, the people want to hear Jesus. And so a, a crowd gathers around Jesus. First of all, it appears it is outside, maybe near where the boats come in. And uh, and the crowd begins to question him, and he speaks to them. Before it's over, we don't know exactly where the uh, transition takes place, but before it's over, they're in the synagogue at Capernaum. That's mentioned to us later in the text. Well, with that said, let's pick up one verse, and then we'll come back and cover all these verses. Uh, look at verse 25. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when comest thou hither? When, how did you get over here? When did you come? Remember, they saw the disciples leaving a boat, and in the morning, Jesus was not there. And so they said, how did you get here? When did you get here? Pray with me, please. Father, thank you for the eternal word. Lord Jesus, thank you that... You walked among us, God in the flesh. Took our sins on Calvary's cross and rose again from the dead. And that you are now King of kings, Lord of lords. Now speak to us through this, your sermon. As you spoke to the mixed crowd on that day so many years ago. Now speak to all of us, some of us. Saved, some maybe not unsaved. So we ask your presence with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may have heard the name, probably have, William Somerset Malm. He was an accomplished novelist, a great playwright, and a short story writer. In the 1930s, he was the most famous author alive. He was extremely wealthy or become extremely wealthy through his writing and so forth. He wrote of human bondage, which quickly established itself as a classic. His play, The Constant Life, has gone through thousands of different stagings. In 1965, Somerset was 91 years old he had lived a sinful life an immoral life and uh, he was extremely wealthy even at this point he was still extremely popular he got about three hundred letters in the mail every week uh, from his fans how does a man like that face death his nephew robin gives us some insight. I'm reading just bits and pieces here. Robin talks about visiting Willie, that's what he called his uncle Somerset, Willie. He visited Willie at his villa on the Mediterranean Sea. He said the furniture and the fixtures and so forth spoke of his extreme wealth and the size of his villa. Wonderful garden. And uh, he said Willie had 11 servants. But then he commented about all the riches and the, the glamour around him. But it no longer meant anything to him. He said one evening he found Willie reclining on the sofa. Peering through his spectacles at a Bible which had very large print. He looked horribly um, upset and his face was grim. I've been reading the Bible that someone gave me, he said, and I've come across the quotation, What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? He said to his nephew, Robin, I must tell you, Robin, that the text, this text, used to hang opposite my bed when I was a child. Then he said, of course, it's all a lot of bunk. And he threw the Bible away. Then he said, but the thought is interesting all the same. That evening... The next evening, Robin tells of another encounter with his uncle, Somerset, Willie. And he says, Willie said to him, sat on the sofa and said, Oh, Robin, I'm so tired. Then he gave a gulp and buried his head in his hands. I've been a failure the whole way through my life, he said. I've made mistake after mistake I've made a mess of everything. Robert said, I mean Robin said, I tried to comfort him. Why, you're the most famous writer alive. Surely that means something. Somerset says, I wish I'd never written a single word. It's brought me nothing but misery. Misery. Everyone who's ever known me well ended up hating me my whole life has been a failure and now it's too late to change it's too late Willie looked up Robin writes Willie looked up and his grip tightened on my hand he was staring straight at the floor his face was contorted with fear and he was trembling violently Willie's face was ashen and he started He stared in horror ahead of him. Straight ahead in horror. And then he said, Go away. He cried in a sharp, shrieking voice of terror. He said, Go away. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not dead yet. I tell you, go away. His nephew writes, the high-pitched, terror struck voice seemed to echo from wall to wall. I looked around, but the room was empty as before. There was no one there. Willie began to gasp and cry hysterically. Somerset needed the bread of life. He had everything the world had to offer. He lived any way he wanted to, committed any sin he wanted to, but he found no contentment, no satisfaction, no peace, no joy in life. What a tragic, tragic story. Pascal, the great French philosopher and physicist, mathematician, inventor, said, There is a God shaped vacuum in the heart of every man that cannot be filled by anything created, but only by the Creator through His Son, Jesus Christ in this great sermon Jesus is gonna say I am the bread of life if you look at your screen for a moment I want to give you two major divisions in this sermon this is the bread of life sermon where Jesus says I am the bread of life and uh, the first part is You eat the bread of life. That is, you believe. You believe. Did you know, when you read through this sermon, the word eat comes out a lot. Do you see that word? It seems to stand out. The word eat, referring to the bread of life, occurs nine times, nine times. The word believe which is, you almost don't notice it, it almost seems obscure. The word believe appears nine times. Nine times eat, nine times believe. They're equated with one another. When Jesus said, talk about eating the bread of life, he was talking about believing on him, receiving him, like you receive bread, you receive him. And so, we eat the bread of life, and that is, we believe. And in doing so, we receive eternal life. That's salvation, but also... Kind of hidden in this great sermon is the truth about sanctification. That is, if you eat continually the bread of life, that is, you keep on believing, keep on trusting, keep on relying on the Lord Jesus for ongoing spiritual life. And that is sanctification. Well, with that outline given of the two major thoughts, I want you to look now... Back at your text. Verse 25, they say, how did you get here? When did you come? They were interested in those details. Jesus doesn't answer them at all regarding when he got there, how he got there. He could have told them, I walked on the water over here, but he didn't. He starts out with his verily, verily. Verily by the way he 's going to say that four times in this one sermon because he had people listening to him that was uh, that was not catching what he was saying they were not understanding he I, I used the term earlier in my prayer. I think it was that he was preaching to a mixed crowd that means there were true believers there there were some of his followers that still hadn 't truly believed yet Uh, there was some skeptics there and so forth so there was a mixed crowd of people whom he was preaching to and notice in verse 26 he says verily verily I say unto you you seek me not because you saw the miracles but because you did eat the loaves and were filled the word saw there is that word we've talked about some in the book of John. There's one word that just means simply that you see something happen. But there's another word that means to perceive, to understand the meaning of something. And that's the word here for, saw the, uh, for uh, the miracles. He said, you seek, me, uh, you seek me not because you saw the miracles. You didn't understand. You, you're not seeking me because you understood the miracles, and that they pointed to who I am, God in the flesh, the Redeemer, the Messiah. You're not seeking me for those reasons. You're seeking me because you got your belly full, and you want it to happen again. You want a meal ticket. There are some people today who have a very pragmatic approach to Christianity. Instead of serving the Lord because of who He is and worshiping Him because of who He is, God, who came to redeem us, people want to see what they can get out of it. What am I going to get out of it? Can I get good health? Can I get uh, more money? Can I get some happiness? What can I get out of it? That was the attitude that Jesus addressed right here in this opening words of this great sermon. Then in verse 27, he says, labor not for the meat or the food that perisheth. Now, he's not saying don't work and don't buy groceries. We've got to buy groceries and we've got to eat and we've got to work to make money to do so. That's part of God's design through all the Bible, Old Testament, and New Testament alike. He's just saying don't stop there. Don't stop there. Go on for the food that's more important look what he says Uh, for that meat which but see labor not for the meat which perisheth but this is what you should uh, look for for that which endureth unto eternal life which the Son of Man shall give unto you for him hath the Father sealed God had put his stamp of approval on Jesus by the miracles, by speaking from heaven. And so the Father had given His seal of approval. And so the the Jews listening, they picked up on the word labor when He said, labor not just for the meat that perishes, but they seemed to miss completely the word give in that verse. That's the way legalists do there is a seem to be a innate mindset in the sinful heart of fallen humanity that we can do something to earn our salvation do something to earn uh, eternal life here jesus said i'll give it to you but they honed in on the word labor and said what can we do what can we labor in order to earn this. Look at verse 28. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? So what can we do to earn this eternal life and work the works of God? And Jesus contradicted their thoughts altogether and said unto them, This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. Now, this is the first time the word believe is used in this sermon, but again, it's used eight more times, nine times altogether. And here at the very beginning, he sets the stage and says, all of of this is about you believing. If you believe, then I give you eternal life. They said, therefore, unto him, what sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? what dost thou work? now they didn't ask questions like "Well, Lord Jesus explain believe or uh, can we believe right now? or does it have to wait? They didn't, they didn't even ask questions about this profound statement that Jesus says instead they said what kind of sign are you going to give us? remember the word sign can be translated miracle and probably the best translation is miraculous sign what kind of sign can you give us now from here on they're all, they're already looking for more food to eat that becomes obvious as you read on what can you do can you feed us again with another miracle so we then we might believe you man's order is see and believe god's order is believe and see. And so they said, Therefore, what sign showest thou then that we may see and believe? Verse 31 Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Ah, Moses. Moses gave us manna every day. Now, Jesus had just fed 5,000 and he performed other miracles as well, healing people and, and uh, so forth, many, many. But just the day before, they saw Jesus not only heal people earlier in the day, they saw Jesus take five little pieces of bread and two fish and feed five thousand men, probably at least ten thousand people, with that little bitty lunch. But that's not good enough for them. They say, what kind of sign, miracle sign will you give us so we can believe our fathers did eat manna and it was for 40 years. What they would really like to see is Jesus feed them for 40 years every day. And so they wouldn't have to work. And uh, so their meals would be a sure thing. And so they are looking for bread, just like Jesus said up front, you seek me because of the food you ate. Verse 32, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, here's the second verily, verily. By the way, verily, verily means truly, truly. It was spoken though with the, with the idea of, of listen closely now. I'm going to tell you something of great truth. So listen up. So he says, listen up. I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven. Moses didn't give you the bread. The Father gave you the bread. God gave you the bread. And he had already stated that he and the Father were one. And uh, so, in effect, he's saying the one who's standing in front of you, I'm the one who gave Israel that bread for 40 years. Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. Now he contrasts the physical bread that we all need for our bodies. Bread is, a, of course, a, a, a general term for food. Food in general. Food. We need food for our, for our physical lives. But Jesus is saying there's another bread, a true bread, a genuine bread, and that bread is for our spiritual lives, for our eternal lives. So our, in verse 32, the last part, He gave you not the bread from heaven. Verse 33. For the bread of God is that which cometh down from heaven and giveth life to the world. Ah. The true bread, verse 32, is from heaven and cometh down from heaven. Jesus in this one sermon is going to use the phrase came down from heaven or came from heaven. He's going to use that seven times in this one sermon. And it's one of the things the, uh, some of the group is going to become angry about. and We'll see that in, in just a moment. So he says, The true bread, the genuine bread, is that which comes down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Notice he's not just talking about the Jewish nation now. He's talking about all of us. It's his life It's this bread that gives life, eternal life, to all the world. Then said they unto him, unto the Lord, evermore, give us this bread. It reminds me of the woman at the well. Before she fully understood what was being said, she said, give me this water so I don't have to come, you know, pull it up out of the well every day. Well, that was their thought still here. Give us this bread then. If you're talking about bread that comes down from heaven, give it to us. We want it. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. The bread is not a thing. It's a person. This is the first of Jesus' seven I am's that are recorded only in the gospel of John. He says here, I am the bread of life. He's going to repeat it in this same sermon. Then he said, I am the light of the world. And then he says, I am the door of the sheep. And then he says, I am the good shepherd. And then he says, I am the resurrection. And then he says, I am the way. And then he says, I am the vine. The seven I am's. Speaking of his deity and speaking of his character. This is the first of those seven. I am the bread of life. You want this bread? I'm the bread. And then he says, He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. That's what Somerset needed. The bread of life. Forgiveness of sin. The presence and companionship of Christ himself. The peace and joy that comes from walking with Christ. Satisfaction in life. But look at verse 36. But I said unto you that ye have seen me and believe not. They had seen his miracles. Heard the very words of God drop from his lips. And they hadn't yet believed. Now some there had believed. The twelve were there including Judas. Judas. And there were some other people there that would have believed. But as a whole, that group had not believed. They wanted to see miracles. They wanted some excitement. But they had not rested their faith on Christ and Christ alone. And then he says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. I remember reading this when I was a very young believer at about the age of 16. I got saved when I was 16. Didn't know anything about the Bible, and I was reading the Bible and came across this verse. It it meant a tremendous thing to me because I knew I had come to Christ. And it says He'll never cast you out. In no wise, in no way, in no possible way, form, or fashion will you be cast out. So we are eternally secure, and He will never cast us out, regardless of our failures or fumbling around and stumbling around. That's a wonderful promise. For I came, verse 31 for I came down from heaven, there's that phrase again, not to do mine own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which He hath given me, I should lose nothing but should raise it up again at the last day. And so, every one, every believer that the Father gives to the Son is going to be raised up in the last day. That should give great comfort to God's people. It's a wonderful promise. And this is the will of him that sent me, verse 40, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him, there's the word believe again, may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Then the Jews rejoiced to hear such wonderful words of love and wisdom. Now. It's not what it says, is it? Then the the Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which cometh down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I come down from heaven? It's interesting they didn't inquire about the truth They just made their argument against the truth. Jesus could have told them, I was actually born in Bethlehem. Virgin born. But he didn't. Because they were not asking legitimate questions in order to receive an honest answer. They were simply stating their Opposition, murmuring, complaining. Jesus, therefore, answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Three times in this sermon, Jesus is going to say something about the Father drawing people to Jesus. Two times, he's going to say, No one can come to me except the Father draw him. It's interesting that some people look at this passage and all they see is the sovereignty of God in the matter of salvation. And yet nine times, two times, it's repeated that the Father draws, but nine times it it says we as human beings must believe. Sometimes people who overemphasize the sovereignty of God think that others don't believe in God's sovereignty. But I want to say to you today that I believe strongly in God's sovereignty. I believe God is so sovereign that if He wanted to, He could have chosen to give man a choice. And I believe that's just what He did. In his sovereignty, he chose to give man a choice. Now, you might say, well, I thought you could get saved anytime you want to. Well, you can. You can get saved anytime you want to. But the want to is the father drawing. If the Father was not drawing, if the Spirit was not convicting, if that wasn't going on in your soul, you wouldn't want to because the Scripture says there's none that seeketh after God. Man does not seek after God on his own. When it seems like someone is seeking God, that is God seeking man. So the Father draws them to the place where they can see who Jesus is and and then they can exercise faith in Christ. Verse 45, it is written in the prophets, and here he quotes from Isaiah, and they shall all be taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh to me. Now this was a new thing going on. Jesus, Jesus here in the flesh. But he said, if you were truly have learned... From the Father, then you would come to me. Now people could be believers under the Old Testament, of course, dispensation. Jesus is saying, if you're truly saved under the Old Testament dispensation, that is, you've learned from the Father, then then every one of them come to me. Every one. Not a one fails to. As he said to them six months earlier, another group, as he said in chapter 5, that uh, to reject the Father, to reject the Son is to reject the Father. Not to honor the Son is not to honor the Father. And then he, what I would call the key verses in this chapter... Uh, is 47 and 48. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Right now. (coughs) That's what it means to eat the bread of life. It means to put your faith, rest your faith in Christ, in Christ alone. In that very minute, you have, you already have, present tense. Right now, you have eternal life. If you lost it in a week, you only had one week life. If you lost it in a year, you only had one year life. But if you have eternal, everlasting life, then you cannot lose that. And if you believe, you have it right now. Then he makes the great statement again, I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven. There's that phrase again. So he didn't quit using the phrase just because it offended the crowd. Uh, And this is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. Now we're all going to die physically but not die spiritually. Remember what Jesus said in John 11. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me though he were dead yet shall he live. And he that believeth in me shall never die. We'll never die spiritually. Verse 51, I am the living bread which cometh down from heaven. If any man eat this bread, remember what eat this bread means? Believe on the Lord Jesus. If any man will eat this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread which I give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now, his flesh means his Physical existence. Jesus is going to give himself to die on the cross. No one will take his life from him. Remember again in John chapter 10, he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Then he said, I lay my life down. No man can take my life from me. I lay my life down and I will take it up again. The resurrection. But the Jews were very offended by this. Look at verse 52. The Jews therefore strove among themselves saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They couldn't see past cannibalism. They couldn't see the analogy. They couldn't see the metaphor. They couldn't see the spiritual side of this teaching beautiful sermon we're going to finish the rest next week but let's look at this little clip again as I've been saying it may have looked something like this let's watch this together
1: when the people found Jesus on the other side of the lake they said to him teacher when did you get here I'm telling you the truth you were looking for me because you ate the bread and had all you wanted not because you understood my miracles do not work for food that spoils instead work for the food that lasts for eternal life this is the food which the son of man will give you because God the Father has put his mark of approval on him what can we do in order to do what God wants us to do What God wants you to do is to believe in the one he sent. What miracle will you perform so that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the desert, just as Scripture says. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. I am telling you the truth. What Moses gave you is not the bread from heaven. It is my Father who gives you the real bread from heaven for the bread that God gives is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Give us this bread. Give us, this bread. Give us this bread. I am the bread of life. Those who come to me will never be hungry. Those who believe in me will never be thirsty. Now I told you that you have seen me but will not believe. Everyone who my Father gives me will come to me. I will never turn away anyone who comes to me, because I have come down from heaven to do not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And it is the will of him who sent me that I should not lose any of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them all to life on the last day. For what my Father wants is that all who see the Son and believe in him should have eternal life and I will raise them to life on the last day. The people started grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. This man is Jesus, son of Joseph, isn't he? We know his father and mother. How then does he now say he came down from heaven? among yourselves people cannot come to me unless the father who sent me draws them to me and I will raise them to life on the last day the prophets wrote everyone will be taught by God Anyone who hears the Father and learns from him comes to me. This does not mean that anyone has seen the Father. He who is from God is the only one who has seen the Father. I am telling you the truth. He who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Ancestors ate manna in the desert, but they died. But the bread that comes down from heaven is of such a kind that whoever eats it will not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If you eat this bread, you will live forever. The bread that I will give you is my flesh, which I give so that the world may live. This started an angry argument among them. How
0: can this man give us his flesh to eat? Somerset lived a miserable life even though he had all the riches this world could offer. And then he died a horrible death. Alone. Afraid. Shaking. Trembling. Trembling with remorse without Christ what if he had heard this sermon and believed on the Lord Jesus what if he had eaten the bread of life how different it could be but he died as far as anyone knows he died without Christ how about you are you willing to die without Christ? Jesus made it very plain. Verily, verily, truly, truly, listen closely. He that believes on me has, right now, present tense, you have it the moment you believe, has eternal life. Will you trust Christ? Trust Him and Him alone. You can do that through prayer and calling on Him, receiving Him. We we receive Him into our life just like we receive physical food into our body. We receive Christ into our heart, our soul. We receive the bread of life. If you'd like to receive Christ as Savior, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. Wherever you are, stop what you're doing and if you mean it, pray this prayer with me. Bow with me, please. Lord Jesus, I know I have sinned. I'm a sinner. And I need forgiveness. I believe you are the bread of life, just like you said. And I believe, as the bread of life, you died on the cross for us and gave your life for me. I believe you rose again from the dead. And right now, I believe. Right now, I rest my faith on you as Lord and Savior. I receive you into my heart, into my soul. As I eat bread and take in bread physically, I take you, Lord Jesus, into my heart and soul this very moment. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for coming into my life like you promised. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, claim the promise Jesus gave us. Believe you have eternal life. We'd like to know about it. You can uh, call the church and leave a message, or you can leave us a message online, or you can email anyone on staff, and uh, we would love to pray for you and, and send you some literature if you would like to help you grow, Uh, we're happy for you.